Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. have you along at the start of this holiday week. I'm Wendy Nix with Damian Woody and Dan Graziano. The changing of the guard continues in Seattle. Seahawks safety Cam Chancellor appears to have retired via an announcement on Twitter. Although he never used the word retire, it does appear a neck injury has ended his career. Here are some excerpts from his statement. I played through all types of bruises and injuries at a high level, but this one I just can't ignore. When the doctors told me what was going on in November, I could feel my heart drop. The stiffness in my neck and the images I saw had me at one of my lowest points as a man. Because football is all I knew outside of serving the Lord. To walk away from the game by choice is one thing. To walk away from the game because of the risk of paralysis is another. My final test showed no healing. I put all my blood, sweat, and tears into this game. And he ended the statement with this, time for the next chapter. So few players in the NFL get to leave on their own terms. It's certainly every single player's goal, but that's not always the case, Dan. And in this case, I'm sure uh, there are other choices that would have been made, but the risks here were legitimate. Right, and all that's laid out in his statement, the issues regarding head injuries, neck injuries, what the doctors have been telling Cam Chancellor about his chances of significant catastrophic injury if he continues to play. You mentioned that the word retire is not in the statement. That's no accident. Cam Chancellor's, uh, he has $6.8 million fully guaranteed coming this year. But of his $10 million salary for 2019, $5.2 million of it is injury guaranteed. And if he retires, then technically they don't have to pay the injury guarantee. So uh, he stays away from that word because there's almost certainly going to be discussions between Cam Chancellor and the Seahawks on some sort of settlement that gets him some of his 2019 money. Similar situation to what we saw earlier this offseason with uh, Bills center Eric Wood, yep. who had to retire under similar circumstances. They reached an injury settlement. He had a press conference. He never said retire. So, uh, But in terms of Cam Chancellor, again, it's all laid out there, the reasons why. And if anybody's wondering why the word retire isn't in there, that's almost certainly the explanation. Damien, he was a heck of a player and part of a heck of a group. Uh, you know, it's almost in some ways, uh, it feels like anyway, the end of an era. And, and we'll talk more about the position in particular a little bit later. But this group has seen a lot of changes and, and Cam the latest in that line. Yeah, when I think of, you know, Legion of Boom, a lot of people talk about Richard Sherman. And rightfully so, he's a great player. But I think of the safeties, Earl Thomas and, and Cam Chancellor, because those two guys were the enforcers. They set the tone. For not only the secondary, but for the whole team. And the team took on that identity. And uh, Cam Chancellor, boy, he what, what a career he had. I mean, he, he, I think he's, he's in the, like a last breed type guy. <laughs> One of those guys that comes down in the box and will thump you to death. And uh, he's a heck of a safety. Well, a a, safety. an enforcer, if you will. Yeah. And to your point, we're going to see some changes likely. Uh, in that regard, uh, no one is disputing either the changes that we've seen in this Seattle defense bound to happen. But, you know, Dan, we were talking. It seems like it's been rapid. Yeah. Look at this. I mean, this is the sort of the height of the Legion of Boom, if you will. This is what the defense looked like. 
All right, so you can see. And then you move now to what we would call the Seahawks defensive depth chart heading into 2018, and there's really not a lot of holdover whatsoever. No, they, they've seen this coming for a while, just knowing what the cap numbers were going to be on these guys starting this offseason and into 2018. So guys like Richard Sherman, you know, uh, I think, you know, probably Earl Thomas, they extended Cam Chancellor last year, obviously didn't foresee his injury. But Michael Bennett got to the point where they weren't going to pay him anymore. And Frank Clark is an ascendant talent there on the defensive line. Sheldon Richardson was there for a year. I mean, that was a, that was a flyer they, they took on him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you think about that secondary and what do I, all those highlights, the first three or four of those highlights where he's forcing fumbles, there's two or three other guys intricately involved right in the play, right? right there. Everybody was working off of each other and in concert with each other. And when you get that as a team, Damian, I mean, you know, you've played on championship teams, I'm sure you know. When you have that, that, those guys all working together like that, I mean, that's a thing of beauty to It's watch. intimidating. It's intimidating for the, opposing, for, the, for the opposing offense when you got guys that's rallying around the ball, that are constantly swarming to the ball. Over time in the game, it, it, it takes its toll on you. Let's circle back to Earl Thomas because I feel like yeah. we've, you know, we've seen this movie before. What are the odds he holds out or do we see him at the start of training camp? Pretty strong odds he holds out if he doesn't get a new deal before training camp. Remember, he skipped that mandatory minicamp last month where you, you start to get fined if you miss that. So he's already shown he's willing to accept some fines in order to make his point. If he doesn't get a new contract or traded to a team that will give him one before training camp, uh, I would expect him to hold out for at least a, f- a few days. And you saw it with Chancellor a couple of years ago. He missed regular season games yep. in a contract dispute. So if Earl Thomas is willing to take it all the way, it could force the Seahawks' hand. You know, to your point, we talked to, to Pete Carroll at the Combine. He did see a lot of this coming. It doesn't mean that these changes won't take a little time to settle in. I mean, that's just that, that's just the way it works, and there's been a number of them. Uh, Seahawks rookie linebacker Shaquem Griffin took the mound at Safe Code Field. He threw out the first pitch. And guess who? There's the catcher. I love this. His twin brother, Shaquille Griffin. <laughs> a perfect first pitch, one brother to another. Nobody got in any kind of fight or anything like that. Which nah, not those two. Not those two. That's right. Pretty good news. Uh, two weeks to go now until the deadline for franchise players to reach long-term deals with their respective teams. None uh, more talked about, perhaps, than this guy, Le'Veon Bell. For the second consecutive season, he's been franchised by the Steelers. So as we turn now to Overreaction Monday, I'll say this. Steelers should pay the man whatever he wants. Overreaction? Not an overreaction. I think it's an overreaction, but whatever he wants. I mean, there's got to be something reasonable here. Um, they're already at $14.5 million on the franchise tag. So if he wants more than that, I mean, that's, that's six and a quarter million more than the next highest paid running back makes. I think uh, I think everybody's got to be reasonable. I'm, I'm I'm all for guys getting paid. I just think that there's a number for Le'Veon Bell. It's somewhere between whatever he wants and uh, and uh, what, what's what's reasonable. It'll still be pretty excellent. So I would say no. Uh, it's an overreaction. He's a running back. There is inherent risk there. He's not a free agent yet. So no. What do you got? Wendy, you know I'm pro player. I want I, guys to are. get paid. But I, you know, but. the the sense in me got to say overreaction. There's right some now. in there too. Yeah, there, Who yeah. knew? Well, listen, you can't just <laughs> go out there and go willy nilly and and just giving guys, you know, backing up the truck like that. But I mean, this guy has this guy's deserved to be um, clearly the highest paid running back in the National Football League. He's going to be that with the franchise tag, but. And I know he wants some sense of security beyond, you know, getting one-year tags, but there's got to be some type of happy medium between Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense. He's, I believe he's 26 years old, so I'm sure something can come about. 
They just got to find it, find well, that sweet spot. Tw- 26 is a critical number for sure. He's also said recently that he thought they were farther along than this time last year. Then again, you know, this has been an 18-month process, and they can't cross the finish line. You know, Bell, Brown, Roethlisberger, if you had to pick the most integral, the most important, if you will, to that offense, who is it? Well, I, I don't... <laughs> You always take the quarterback, but I think in this case, I mean, you have a guy in Le'Veon Bell who, he, he keeps making this point, he catches the ball too. I mean, this isn't just, I mean, he's a special part of that offense in a way that most players aren't. David Johnson in Arizona is a guy that is used in a somewhat similar way, but there aren't many. So I think he's, he's, he's the fulcrum. He's the, they, they, they play from ahead so often that I think he's, he's a very important player for it, them. It's a difficult deal to get done for a lot of reasons, and yet I still find myself defaulting to, it'll get done. But, you know, you know I know, I know, and I have to remind oh, no. myself that, that look right there. I know. Demarcus Lawrence, also a franchise player. I'll say this as we overreact. Dallas should wait to give Lawrence a long-term deal. In other words, let him back up what they've seen. Or, Damien, have you seen enough? Is this an overreaction or no? No, I believe it's... Not a no reaction. They they should they should want a, you know see what he can do beyond another year. I just sometimes you gotta be careful with these one year wonders. Yeah, you really do. I mean he he had a fantastic year last year, but man to back up the truck for a guy who really just burst on the scene for one year and put up big numbers. If I'm Dallas Cowboy, I'm like let me see you repeat it again. Then we then we can revisit this. I totally understand that logic. I really do. And I understand that's what they're thinking, and there's a lot of sense to that. I, I, re- I already know where you're going. However, <laughs> yes, you I, already I know say this is an overreaction because I think it's just going to get more expensive for them if they wait. You have a guy now who's going to make, what, 17-plus on the, on the franchise tag. What if Clowney, Jadavian Clowney's deal comes in at 18 and a half? What if Khalil Mack's deal comes in at 20, 21 million? Aaron Donald tops all of that. Pass rusher is a premium position. And I think if they wait, then there's a deal that's, that's probably doable now that isn't going to be doable six months, you know, eight months, 12 months from now. And I think it may end up costing them a lot of money. Well, those, that trajectory has been straight up. I mean, that, that's the way we've seen the numbers work, uh, for sure. You know, we talked about the changes in Seattle in terms of uh, subtraction, if you will, the, the additions to the, the ramps, mm-hmm. the, the names we've seen and the moves that have been made. No team really more active in this respect than the Rams. So I'll say this. Rams have the best secondary in the National Football League. If I say that, Dan, to you, is that an overreaction in your opinion or no? I think it's an overreaction because I'm not all the way sure they have the best secondary in Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Chargers secondary, I mean, that defense top to bottom looks outstanding. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the secondary, guys like Jason Verrett, Casey Hayward. Uh, they, they, uh, Derwin they drafted Derwin, Derwin James, right? Jaleel Adai, a good player out there. You know, that's a team that, you know, maybe, you know, could they use, like, would an Earl Thomas kind of top that all off and make it unquestionably the best? But that's a one of the stronger positional units in the entire league. So I like what the Rams have done. We haven't seen it all play together yet. We believe Wade Phillips can make it work, but uh, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to say best in the league. And I think therein lies the distinction. You will have to have somebody, and perhaps Wade Phillips is that person who can make this come together because, I mean, obviously the understatement of the century, there's no shortage of personalities here. Absolutely. you got to do a great job of managing personalities. But I agree with Dan. I think it's an overreaction for right now. Look, they, they look they look good on paper. There's sure no did. question. I mean, you look at all three layers of their defense, they look pretty pretty good. But like Dan talked about, the L.A. Chargers are fantastic. Minnesota Vikings secondary is no slouch either. So I don't know. Right now on paper they look great, but – I need to see them in action first. Plus, I just I couldn't I couldn't cast my vote in that direction until I've seen them on the field. There's just no 
sample size, really, for this particular group to work sure. together. Yeah. Well, the NBA not alone. The NFL has seen its share of big free agent signings. After eight seasons in Philly, Reggie White went to Green Bay. He won a Super Bowl, a Defensive Player of the Year award, and went to six Pro Bowls. Deion Sanders made his presence known in Atlanta for five years before he went on to San Francisco for one and only season, 1994. 49ers went on to win the Super Bowl that year. A year later, he joined Dallas and, oh, by the way, won another one. Drew Brees had some success in San Diego, but his career really took off when he joined the Saints and Sean Payton. He's led the league in passing yards seven times and won the Super Bowl in 09. And most recently, Peyton Manning joined the Broncos prior to the 2012 season, spending four seasons in Denver. He led the team to two Super Bowl appearances, including a title in his final season of 2015. Last year's NFC West champs made big moves, acquiring cornerbacks Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib via trade. Then they wrote a big check, big, for Indomitian Sue, a one-year deal after he was let go in Miami. And then the Rams got quarterback Jared Goff a deep threat, trading for wideout Brandon Cooks. They've got a phenomenal young coach, it would seem. They've got a veteran uh, coordinator group who also seems to kind of have it together. You know, of all these moves, we talk so much about that defense, but when you look at what they did, what stands out to you? If you had to pick one and say absolutely, which one would it be for the Rams? I mean, because there's a number to choose from. Wow. I think that that Indomitian Sioux pairing with with Aaron Donald, I think that's going to pay huge dividends because I always tell people when it comes to rushing the quarterback, it's not necessarily the guys on the outside. Quarterbacks hate pressure up the middle. And when you got Aaron Donald sitting there in the middle getting double teamed because he's going to command a double team, now you got to block Indomitian Sioux one-on-one? With that type of pressure coming up, coming up the field, mm-hmm. that, that that should pay huge dividends for the Rams' defense. You know, it didn't quite work out for Indomitian Sioux in Miami. Obviously, they too backed up the truck, so to speak, as we've said before. It it never, it just never seemed to work, Dan, for a lot of reasons. Does that give you any trepidation for this move by the Rams? No, I, I like the Sioux move for the Rams, and the pairing with Donald, I think, would be good for both players. My my answer to your question, Damian, would have been Marcus Peters, just because I think you know what the Rams are fundamentally building is some is a young core, and I think he can kind of assimilate into that somewhat quickly and, and be you know he's an exciting player, and obviously right. I think he'll learn from Akib Talib. You know that's a that's a good veteran for him to be with right now. So, but I. I I like Sue and Donald in the middle. I, th- I think that makes them as strong a defensive line as anyone in the league. We, we touched on this briefly earlier, but what are the biggest challenges here about bringing in a group? Uh, you know, there's intangibles, I get it, personality and all that. But just in terms of, of the style of play, what do you see as the biggest challenges of bringing some of these big names together, especially defensively? Are you going to play as a team? I've seen, we've seen a lot of teams bring in a lot of big-name free agents, but can you mold the guys to play together? I mean, you're talking about some marquee, big-time names that are coming over to that Rams defense. So it'll be incumbent, you know, it'll be incumbent on Wade Phillips to get those guys. Wade Phillips is one of the best defensive coordinators in the National Football League. Guys love playing for Wade Phillips, so I don't foresee that being a problem. But you know, I think that's something that has to be stated right now. So Sean McVay, the head coach, spoke to him a couple times this offseason, you know, on this topic, and that's obviously what everybody wants to talk about: how you, how you bring it all together. He said the key is making sure that everybody, you know, is on the same page in terms of what they believe about the team's identity, the team's culture. You know, guys that love football is a phrase he keeps using. Uh, Akeem Tlaib is a player that, that Wade Phillips knows, coached yep. him in Denver, so they know who he is. And Dominic Sue they spent a, a great deal of time with before signing him. 
Sue and Aaron Donald were in communication with each other before the signing. The Rams made sure Donald knew what they were doing with regard to Sue, so he wasn't upset about it. Uh, So they did spend some time thinking about how this will all fit together and why it'll all fit together. And there's a difference between bringing in guys from the outside to help you establish a culture and bringing in guys from the outside to fit a culture you're already building. And if you believe that you've done the second thing, then it can work. If you're trying to do the first thing, I think that's when we've seen it blow up. And I think that's especially cool. It's um, true with Ndamukong Sue because he's not, for probably the first time in his career, he's not the man. Aaron Donald is the man, and he's complimenting Aaron Donald in this situation. It, and I would say it is the first time. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and what, a, what a departure for Ndamukong Sue. How about this, okay? Derek Carr, uh, uh, this first the tweet, he's talking about... Uh, Welcoming all new Lakers fans. Uh-huh. Clearly there's a bandwagon here with the latest news. Mm-hmm. But it's fair that y'all have one of these. And what it is, I believe, is it... Oh, you got a form. Is, yeah, it's a form. Uh-huh. We all love forms. It's, a, it's an application, Daniel. Uh, a bandwagon wow. application. We're taking all applications. Yes, because Damien, I believe, was a Laker fan prior I, to I, the news. Whoa, yes, whoa, whoa. Okay, I still me. am. All right. Uh, so. But... You can transfer your fandom, right. but what I really like, because I like to be prepared, is sort of your backup plan. You need a backup plan in case <laughs> all hell breaks loose and you can no longer root for your team. There it is. Backup. Who's your backup plan? What's your backup team? Backup you- team in case I'm, sink, I'm sink or swim. Oh, you are. I, You're going yeah, all the way I'm down. I'm sink okay. or swim with the Lakers, so it doesn't matter. All right. Do you have a problem? Let me ask you this. As, a, as you have established, a longtime Laker fan, any issues with the bandwagon and folks jumping on? Or you don't want them, or you want them, or what? I don't know. No, the only thing I have an issue with is, you know, now we're going to have all these LeBron fans coming to the Lakers. Hopefully they're not beefing with the Kobe Bryant fans. So oh, is that, that okay? You know, so that's interesting that, point. That's Damian interesting. has thought this through. Oh, yeah, I've been thinking about okay. this. Yeah. A little Lakers. Time. This is not the first time there's been a bandwagon for the Lakers. No. Right? It's, not like he's, you know, it's not like he's joining some <laughs> I don't know that there's been cool. a time right. yeah, right? when there wasn't a bandwagon for yeah, the Lakers, exactly. as a matter of fact. All right, then one more overreaction on this Monday. We'll go NBA style because it's the prevailing story of the day. LeBron James makes the Los Angeles Lakers contenders, immediate contenders, for an NBA title. I will defer to my Laker fan here on my left to start. Overreaction, not an overreaction. Wendy. What? Damien. This really hurts me to say right now. Oh. It's a, it's a, right now it's an overreaction. I, okay. I like the young pieces that we have. Obviously, when you get LeBron James, it's a game changer. But you got to think about the Golden State Warriors. They are they are the preeminent franchise in, in the you know NBA. We need a Kawhi Leonard. We need another piece. Then I can I feel okay. really good. A lot of wees. A lot of a lot wee. of. Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. A lot of team wee. approach. Wee. Okay. Uh, you're distancing yourself. I think both physically wee. and perhaps <laughs> emotionally. Like, I don't want any from Damien. Dan, you get to weigh in here. Is this an overreaction? I have no idea. I, I, I am totally like, unqualified to speak on this what? subject. What is this? This but, NBA? <laughs> I get windhorsed in here or something like that, but. Uh, I, I, the Golden State Warriors beat them three out of the last four finals, right? That's all you need. That well, they yeah. Right. Yeah. So how can they be? How can he assume he's going to go to late just because of uniform? Because they got banners and trophies up there. That build around him. What else they got going? That's what I want to know, right? Get now we get Woj in here, right? Yeah, what else, we, what he's else, coming who else, out. Who else oh, is he's coming? He's not really, but I'm who just else? Like we got, we got, and then tell me, and then I think we'll be that's able why to I ask the question. We got we. a trade for cool. Yeah, yeah, we. Yeah, I make oh, fun of yeah, everyone I'm, for yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a part of this. Are they going to use a left tackle this year? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They need an offensive line. If they, line if they need some muscle out there, I'm the guy. <laughs> All right. Okay. 
Sorry. I can come in for about know. three minutes. Once a week. Somebody to block for him. Always a week. <laughs> Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're going to sleep in the car now. Happy Geico-ween. Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents. It happens almost every year. One team goes from worst to first in its division. 14 of the last 15 seasons, the team has climbed all the way from the basement to the top. Last year, both the Jaguars and the Eagles went worst to first. So this week, we look at teams who may have a chance this time around. Can the Texans make that move from worst to first? Though the Colts also finished 4-12 and last season, the Texans lost both their meetings with Indy. The Jags took the division with 10 wins, while the Titans were 9-7 and and won their wildcard game at Kansas City. So... All week long, we'll look at each division and try to figure out who may do it this year. We'll start, of course, today with the AFC South. And we'll tell you, so you can make your own opinion, uh, the changes we've seen. So here for the Texans, they made some moves in the offseason, especially getting a stronger defensive secondary. They added Tyron Matthew and cornerback Aaron Colvin. Houston also made some moves on the offensive line. They brought in Zach Fulton and Central Henderson, and then the Texans 3-3 three and three last season, but won just one of their last 10 games. Don't forget, and this is the big distinction, without quarterback Deshaun Watson, who appears to be on the mend and hopefully will be back healthy. He was just dynamic when he was on the field. So we're looking at each team. They do have to add up to 100% in case you're wondering. That's the hardest part <laughs> of the whole exercise. I, I know that it is. Yeah. Uh, the percentage of chances for teams to go from, from worst to first, and so we'll start. Uh, Damien, we start with you. So I'll make my I'll let's see here. Colts. Oh, just the Texans. Okay. Just the okay. Texans. Just the Texans. Just Let me see here. Gave it away there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 30, yeah. yeah. That, that was a big okay. goose egg, I think. 35. 35%. 35%. Right. Solid. Yes, 35%. Listen, it, a lot of this stuff really hinges on guys are coming back from injury. They got a a bunch of big time guys coming back. Obviously, JJ Watt, Whitley Merciless coming back. And obviously Deshaun Watson. When Deshaun Watson was playing seven games, they were leading the league in scoring. They so were. that just shows you how dynamic that off- offense can be. H- has a whole offseason. Obviously, he's been rehabbing. But second year in the offense, so you know they're going to be drawing up some things specifically for him. And he's going to improve. So I got I got the text at 35%. It starts and finishes with the quarterback, no? Dan? Well, I mean, yes, in this it case, does. Just because of what we saw? So much bad injury luck there last year, mm-hmm. right? And and I think, you know, the Texans, I'm right there with you at 35. That's, that's the number I gave them. I believe in Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I think the defense gets healthier. You mentioned Watt and Merciless adding Tyron Matthew. Yep. I, just, I just feel I'm a little worried about the offensive line, but I think when you have a quarterback who can move around like Deshaun Watson, you can mitigate that at least somewhat. Right. And as you mentioned, when they are scoring all those points last year while he was healthy, it showed uh, that he can. Yep. So I like the Texans. I think that 35, we did the other divisions, as we'll find out as the week goes along, 35 is kind of a high number. Yeah. All right, listen, well, uh, yeah, from what we saw with Damian and the Colts. So, but before you show us again and tip your hand, a, a look at the changes in Indianapolis, a relatively quiet offseason. Clearly, they hope to have a healthy Andrew Luck. They did sign tight end Eric Ebron to a two-year deal to give him another weapon. Uh, they got to they got to protect him, so they drafted guard Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame with the number six pick, and then of course, 45-year-old kicker Adam Vinatieri 
will return for another season. The percentage of the Colts win this division. I mean, Damien, I guess I'm going to defer to you. Since you <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me think about this again. Ooh, mm. Okay. Right, yeah, I know. It, 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 still zero. It's still apparently. zero. Yeah, I had a chance to really think about it. But, the, you know, the, the, the Colts, are, they're in rebuilding mode right now, clearly. Obviously, you saw the trade that they got uh, with the three second-round draft picks. They're, to me, they're building towards the future. Um, Andrew Luck, we still don't know coming back from in, that shoulder injury. Switching defensively from a 3-4 to a 4-3. There's a lot of things going on in Indianapolis right now. And as you look at within a division, the last time that Andrew Luck won a division, these all these other yep. teams have gotten better. They have, although it's just hard for me. If you had a healthy Andrew Luck, to think that the chance is zero just doesn't compute with me, given that quarterback and how he can change it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to put a zero go. in any box. All week. I just don't believe in it. I oh, think there's always okay. a chance. <laughs> so I, put, I, gave, I gave the Colts a, a five because, I, like you say, I mean, if Andrew Luck is back and if he's healthy and if he clears all the mental hurdles he needs to clear. They have the best, I mean, or the most accomplished quarterback of any of the four in the division, right? Yeah, I mean, you can argue maybe Watson better based on what he showed last year, but Luck's done more than any of these other guys have, and I think that gives them a fighting chance if everything else falls apart for everybody. <laughs> five, five is not in, a high in a, number. In a perfect one. world, no, and there were a lot of ifs there, clearly, just, you know, for the sake of argument. All right, the Titans, if you will, uh, they had a busy offseason. Uh, a solid playoff experience from the Patriots. Uh, grabbed a few players, actually. Malcolm Butler and Deion Lewis, who both know about the playoffs. The Lewis signing could offset the release of DeMarco Murray. With their first-round pick, the Titans took linebacker Rashawn Evans. He's expected to make a pretty big impact and somewhat immediately on that defense. The percentage chance the Titans win the AFC South. I'm going to go 25%. And I think uh, I think the Titans got a couple good things going for them. Number one, you know, I'm a big believer in, 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 in Mike Vrabel, former teammate of mine in New England. Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, they were both together. Mike Vrabel, Dean Pease were both together in New England. So they had that chemistry so Mike Vrabel can focus on other things. And Matt LaFleur, uh, the offensive coordinator who came over from the Los Angeles Rams, now is going to be working with, with Marcus Mariota. I think he's going, he's going to bring the most out of him in that offense and really design that offense around him. So, this is going to be this is going to be an inter- interesting team to watch. And I think, can I just say this about Mike Vrabel? I think he's going to have to be a CEO, and, and bringing on Coach mm-hmm. Pease is put him in a position to do that. Yes, not not try to do his former job as well. It reminds Damn. me of, one of my baseball days when a new baseball manager would bring in an experienced bench coach yep. to help yep. him. Know, you know, oh, you can't take the pitcher out now because X, Y, Z. Right. So that that kind of thing, very important, obviously. Uh, Damian and I see the AFC South very similarly. I think mm-hmm. I, I like the Titans a lot. I like their roster. You know, you know Mike Vrabel. Everybody knows Mike Vrabel loves him yep. uh, and, and expects big things. But he is brand new at this, That's you true. know, so we, we don't true. know exactly. So I'm not sure I can give make them the favorite. Although, as you can see here, Wendy, I know how you love, like, I always make a real strong stand. I'm, I'm pretty well torn uh, between uh, you are. I, I, or among uh, the, the three different teams I think can win this division. I miss my Dan of, you know. Strong opinion. You gotta come back yeah, for yeah. AFC East Day. Okay. And then, oh, and then, okay. Yeah, we'll have All a, right. I look forward a to that. Bit, a little bit bigger spread. <laughs> okay. So as we're a tease. if you're doing the math, you know where we're headed here. But don't don't move so quickly. Here is what we saw in Jacksonville. They advanced to the AFC Championship game. Big things expected once again. The offseason saw them add beef to the offensive line, signing All Pro guard Andrew Norwell. They also uh, added tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins. They did lose wide receiver Allen Robinson to the Bears and cornerback Aaron Colvin to the aforementioned division rival Texans. The percentage, gentlemen, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm giving the Jaguars 40%. 
Oh, 40%. All right. I think you did your math. Yes, did my math math right. Um, I like their identity. The brand of football that they play travels anywhere. And when you have a rushing attack, and they added to it by bringing an all-pro lineman, you know, up front to give them more beef. But then when you have the rushing attack, the defense to complement and I think they're going to they're going to open things up a little bit more a little bit more for Blake Bortles this year. Mm. Um, I thought at the end of the year, and especially in the postseason, he did some things in the postseason. Now with the whole offseason, signed a, a, a extension, so I think they they're going to entrust him a little bit more. They're going to stick to the identity, yes. but they're going to expect him to make a little bit more plays, you know, from the quarterback position this year. All right, Dan. I gave him a thirty. What we're seeing here is I have no idea who's going to win the uh, AFC South. That's I like, kind I like of way three teams out, yes. about equally. My only concern with the Jaguars, and I, I expect the Jaguars to have a good team this year, my only concern with them is I wonder if last year's is as good as it gets. Like, they, it couldn't have gone any better for them. The way they play, the way they grind it out, and, and I wonder if, you know, playing a first-place schedule, you'll see a little bit of a, of a drop-down. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think, I think they're going to have a good – I think this is a very interesting division, and I think based on, you know, what, what uh, July 2nd predictions are worth, worst I think you can, you can Te- go to your uh, – Texans. Go to your local Rhode Island or New Jersey sports book and bet the Colts because, I, obviously, they're going to win now yeah, based clearly. on all this, right? I think, I think really, the, the, the whole determining factor – is the quarterback right here? It's if Deshaun deal. Watson stays healthy, that, my point. I exactly. think that's yeah, going I, to me. That's going to determine the division. Do you remember what you gave the Jags last year? Anyone? No. No, I don't either. Do you? No, I don't. Good. So, yeah. So I, 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 I was going to give credit where it was due, but perhaps we, we'll save that. Listen, this is the AFC South, an important exercise, simply because every year, fourteen of the last fifteen, we have seen a team go from worst to first. I think it's fascinating. It makes the NFL. Uh, among the things that makes it so interesting to watch. So there's a recap, and we will continue this exercise shortly with the NFC South. We revisit our top story this afternoon. Seahawks safety Cam Chancellor appears to have retired via an announcement on Twitter. He never uses the word retire, but it does appear a neck injury has ended his career in the NFL. Damien, we referenced this earlier. He was an enforcer. I mean, he's a tone setter, however you want (coughs) to... call it but will we still see that have we seen the last of that enforcer type role in terms of the safety position I think it's starting to go away because obviously the rules and how the NFL is kind of led, trying to legislate it out the game but also the way that offenses are playing everything is the game is so spread the offense wants to use every every blade of grass, as I like to say. So you can't afford to have these guys that just play in the box. You have to be able to play in space because a lot of running backs, tight ends, they flex those guys out to try to create mismatches. So you got to have the per, the personnel to match those guys. There are young guys coming into the league that, that that's still their best skill. Landon Collins with the New York Giants is, is making a very nice career for himself. Uh, I think Jabril Peppers, the Browns plan to use him more in a role like that this year. Uh, maybe play to his strengths, but I, I think you're not going to see it as much because the league the league doesn't like that Vernon Davis hit, right? I mean, like that's not the image that the NFL wants out there about its game. It's too violent. Uh, you know, his head jerks back. You know, all, all that stuff. So it's not. There's not going to be a premium placed on guys who can do that. And I think that's the thing. Now you look at Seattle. Seattle teaches tackling technique mm-hmm. uh, in, intensely and and in specific ways, and proudly boasts about how they do it. Heads up, all that kind of stuff. And still, this is a player who earned a reputation as a fearsome hitter. Doing it legally for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I still think this is something that, that the league, you'll see less of. That, that kind of, you know, startling violence, I think, is what the league wants to get, well, to get rid of. Well, I wonder this. I don't know if there's any bearing. Uh, but, you know, aside from Tyron Matthew, who signed the one-year deal uh, and sort of priced himself out of his previous team, you know, this, this agent, this free agent market, I should say, for safeties has been slow to develop. Another way to say it, it's been soft. Now, there are some mitigating circumstances with some of these guys, and we, we've talked about that. But, you know, why is that? What are we seeing with this position and the market for it? It's not highly valued as a premium position in the league the way pass rusher, quarterback, left tackle, shutdown corner. I mean, those are in a salary cap era, teams all have to make <coughs> decisions about priorities where they put their high-end resources, their big free agent dollars, their high draft picks. And safety is a position where guys are seen as a little bit interchangeable. And I think, you know, you see there are exceptional players. I mean, Earl Thomas got paid a big deal because, um, you know, his ability to operate as that deep middle guy enables Seattle to run a lot of what it's been running for the past few years. Cam Chancellor as the enforcer. You don't see too many teams that have two guys like that. And, and contract-wise, Seattle ends up in a bad place. Eric Berry got paid after a franchise year. Uh, Harrison Smith got paid before he went to market, but you don't really see that with a lot of these guys. Devin McCourty, Tony Jefferson, guys like that hit the open market. But it's not a position where teams are spending big, big money or where the, the ceiling of the, uh, the highest paid guys right. is going up. Cam Chancellor, I mean, we, he's a young guy. You know, this is the next step. There'll be another career. There'll be an, another future. But what will you remember most in terms of his football career, Damian? Just the passion. Like, even just watching the piece, like, it was just, just dripping with passion. Uh, you know, gentle, you know, gentle guy off the field. But when he was on the field, boy, did he, I think his whole thing was trying to break your will, intimidate you, break your will. You look at that one hit against the Denver Broncos in the yeah. Super Bowl. That right one hit, that one hit at the beginning of the game changed everything about that game. And it just set the tone. And that's what he was. He was a tone setter. A tone setter. No question about that. It happens almost every year. One team goes from worst to first in the division in 14 of the last 15 seasons. A team climbs from bottom to top. Last year, both the Jags and Eagles did it. So this week, we look at teams that may be the one or two to go worst to first. The NFC South was strong last year. Three teams finishing with at least 10 wins. It was the only division with three teams in the playoffs as well. The Bucks have a long way to go. Our question now... Can they be the team to go from worst to first? Uh, in answering that question, it's uh, important to look at the changes that teams have made in the offseason. So when you look at Tampa Bay, they added weapons to their defensive line by trading for JPP in late March. They drafted defensive tackle Vita Vea with their first overall pick. Much needed help to a defense which ranked last in the NFL. But then the news last week The quarterback, Jameis Winston, will be suspended for the first three games of 2018 for violating the league's personal conduct policy. So this team will be without its starting quarterback for three of the first four weeks of the season. Percentage chance that Tampa Bay wins the NFC South. Damian. Oh, the stoic. Suspense is killing me. Yes, wow. He's going Indianapolis style here. At least I'm consistent. You are. I am consistent. consistent. Listen, I I don't like anybody. Um... I didn't feel confident. I didn't feel confident that they were going to win the division anyway. With Jameis Winston starting all 16 games, now that he's missing three games, the you know first three games of the season, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a tough road for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
uh, to be able to navigate within a division with that sent three teams to the playoffs this year. They've made some changes, and I, th- I like some of the moves that they've made. But again, uh, when you're missing your starting quarterback the first three games, and the whole key to a season is getting off, getting off it's hot. Hard start. I it, just think that's going that's going to hurt them. It just, unfortunately, in my opinion, for Tampa Bay, it feels like two steps forward, you know, three steps back. Like we just can't get. Moving in the right direction. I'm not putting a zero up there. You, that, all it's week. a philosophical stance here. So I'm put a, a one. one. Okay. I say that's cheating. He said it's not. It's not cheating. Well, it's going to add up to one. There's a chance. Okay. That's fair enough. Look, the three playoff teams. I mean, right? I, I, I gave the Colts a five, and the Colts play in a strong AFC division, but a strong NFC division is something different. Right. The NFC is kind of like, Wendy, if I may, now that I'm an NBA analyst, the Western okay. Conference. Oh, what? The well, day well, to the uh, okay. AFC's Eastern yes. Conference a little bit here. We, crossover show. Love okay. it. Okay. That's a whole that's a whole. <laughs> thing how about Atlanta all right again a strong team last season the Falcons the biggest move they made drafting wide receiver Calvin Ridley out of Alabama to help bolster an already explosive offense uh, under Matt Ryan who we know now signed a contract extension in May and they shored up their kicking game by re-signing the reliable Matt Bryant to a three-year deal look this this offense was already strong I'd have to argue it got stronger Damien, the chances the Falcons win the division. I'm going 40. That's pretty high. Yeah, mm. I, I, I think the second year with, uh, with Steve Sarkeesian as the offensive coordinator, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be big for them. Get more of a rhythm. Obviously, we saw last year, you know, some things that they had going on uh, with that offense. They weren't necessarily clicking like when they had Kyle Shanahan, but I think the second year. He'll know how to better utilize the personnel. Adding Calvin, Calvin Ridley to the offense, boy, I, this dude is one of the more explosive wide receivers coming out of the draft. So I, I like the Atlanta Falcons. You know, and Matt Ryan joined us when he signed his contract extension in May and said the same thing. Look, it takes a minute to get adjusted to a new coordinator. We were moving in the right direction, but we didn't fully get there, and I think we'll be – you know, a lot farther ahead of the game this time around. I think it's an important factor here. They may be, but that wasn't the only problem the Falcons had last year. I mean, they had a young defense that really didn't handle its success all that well. There were a lot of penalties that killed drives. You know, you had a team that in 2016 played as well as it could possibly play, and in 2017 struggled with some things it didn't uh, the year before. So I think they're a very good roster, top to bottom, and I think we have to see who they are. Are they the team that dominated in 2016 in the second half of the year, went all the way to the Super Bowl? Are they the team that kind of couldn't get out of its own way at times last year? A lot of talent there, a lot of ability, a lot of potential, very tough division. I give them a 30% chance, which, again, not a bad, not a bad number. No, why not? Why not? No, wait, never mind. All right, the Panthers added a weapon at wide receiver when they traded for Torrey Smith of Philadelphia. That's what happens when I try to do math. Also new to the offensive mix is running back C.J. Anderson, who rushed for over 1,000 yards with Denver last season. With their first-round pick, they took wide receiver D.J. Moore from Maryland, another weapon for Cam Newton on this offense. You talk about a sort of a spectrum here. I think you just... You really don't know which Cam Newton you're getting at times, or at least that's how I feel. Uh, how about Carolina, Damian? Yeah, I got, <clears throat> I got 25 for the Carolina Panthers. Listen, they've, they've added some pieces offensively, wide receiver. Cam's going to have more to work with. Um, how is North Turner going, how is he going to alter Cam's game? Cam's been in the league for a while now. You know, he's kind of settled in on the type of quarterback that he is. I don't know how much Nova will be able to alter that, get his completion percentage up, stuff like Which that. Which is a big key it's for them, big, he said, big, anyway. It's a big key. So, listen, 
Carolina, strong team. They usually, you know, strong-minded team. Defensively, they'll be pretty good. Thomas Davis is suspended, going to be suspended to start of the season. That matters. But again, with these other three, these other three teams, Saints, Falcons, Pet, they're all going to be in it at the end. Yeah. They're all going to be in it. Well, look at the parody we saw last season. Yeah. I, I, mean, I like Carolina. I'd like them a lot more in another division. I went 24. <laughs> Obviously, there's a, I got to count <laughs> for one. I didn't have to. But uh, look, I, I, think, I think Cam Newton is what he is. And I think, you know, we've seen him at this very, very best. We've seen him able to win games in a number of different ways. Eager to see what Christian McCaffrey is in year mm. two. Uh, I, I think it's a defense you can usually trust. But to your point about Thomas Davis, that's a big, big, big cog. loss. And to play without him for four games, not have him in the building for four games mm-hmm. and meetings, et cetera, that's a guy that will be missed in a variety of ways. Yes. He is suspended again. Well, there's a number of suspensions the first four games of the season, so most of September. Drew Brees will remain in New Orleans after signing a two-year $50 million deal on the defense. The addition of safety Kurt Coleman should improve the secondary. They also brought in cornerback Patrick Robinson. Talking about the Saints, of course, veteran tight end Benjamin Watson now in New Orleans. He signed a one-year deal in March. The Saints have a what percentage chance of winning this division, Damian? You know, I have to say I really struggle with this. Right up until, I, I was going to change it, but I said, you know what? It would screw over too many people, so I just went 35. <laughs> You're a team player. Yeah, okay. I, listen. Yeah, the graphics Saints, are all made and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Saints are trendy pick to get to the Super they Bowl. They are. They are very talented. I mean, they hit. They struck gold last year with the with the draft. You know, I mean, every pick. I mean, they have weapons everywhere. Run, you know, running back. You know, Ingram is going to be out. He's he he's going to be out. But too, you got you know Alvin Kamara, who's yeah, offensive you know, rookie. He's of the year. The offensive rookie of the year. I mean, they got weapons all over the field defensively. A lot better. This team right here could easily represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. If they had a quarterback, you know. He's all right. They re-signed him. He's good. I heard that. I heard that. All right. Maybe I'll even things up. Damien said the Saints are a trendy pick to reach the Super Bowl. I am nothing if not trendy, as everyone knows. So I'm going to give them the 45% chance to win maybe the toughest division in the league. I just think think there's nothing not to like. They can run the ball. They can beat you with the run game. They can beat you passing it. I I mean, I think they're they're deep at all kinds of key positions. You mentioned what they did in the draft last year. I'm not in love with what they did at the top of the draft this year, using two first-round picks to get the, the edge rusher, but it's obviously a guy they really believe in. And given what they but did you know, last year, you got you to But you know them, what? Right? You know when teams do that? When they feel like they're close. One piece when away. When they feel right. like they're close. This that's when teams do that. This the NFC Championship last game, yeah. but for what? One miracle play by yeah. the Vikings, right? And who's to say? They go to Philly, maybe they can play better than Minnesota did. Things would be different. So they right, do feel it? that way. Yes. That they're, they, were, they were not too far well, away. And they, I, have I a reason to, they have a reason to oh, believe yes. that. Yep. Here is our pie chart as we look at the percentages. And congrats to you both. Math on point today. We had no issues, to my knowledge, but it's not possible I would miss it so uh, we'll be taking a look this week at each division we'll have the final tally from all of our panelists on Friday again as we look out for the team that goes worst to first in its division it's happened 14 of the last 15 seasons it is July 2nd July 4th week of course so we thought we'd go inside the offseason headlines our first from Courtney Cronin our Vikings reporter Kirk Cousins good in the boots elite at avoiding getting hit in dodgeball. So I'm back here with Damian Woody and Dan Graziano. Okay, so work with us here. It's the offseason. Uh, he, he showed off his dodgeball skills there, Kirk Cousins did. So here we go, pun intended. Can he dodge the rest of the NFC North and lead the Vikings back to the division? 
Boy, that's <coughs> top of the division. Last I checked, that bad man in, in Green Bay is going to be back. Pretty good player. He's really good quarterback. I mean, listen, Kirk Cousins put up some good numbers, but he's not on the level of Aaron Rodgers. So this Green Bay team, you know, they got they got a new defensive coordinator. They added Jimmy Graham at tight end. I think this Green Bay team is going to have a lot to say about who's going to win the NFC North this year. Yeah, when are we doing percentages on the uh, NFC North? Uh, that's a that, tough one. That's going to be really that's tough. That's a tough one between yep. Green Bay and Minnesota's roster is very, very good. I mean, the defense, especially up oh, front, yeah. while we talk on the back end, too. Yeah, the defense is loaded. I mean, the wide receivers, Thielen and Diggs, as good as anybody in the league in terms of a tandem. So I think Kirk Cousins has a very good chance. Yep. But to Damian's point, Aaron Rodgers probably will be heard from before it's all said. I would think so. Tomorrow is the answer to that question. We will do the percentages right? no, in the NFC. There it is. Tomorrow, so ask Ooh, and yeah, I have an answer. Tomorrow. How about that? Our next headline comes from Texans wide receiver Will Fuller. This is via Instagram. This is a video of him climbing up what appears to be a steep sand dune. No, thank you. In the desert. Now, that, I assume that's Oof. Wow, that's crazy. Don't try this at home. I guess mm. not. Do the Texans have the biggest mountain to climb? Where is he? In the AFC South. I don't know. (laughs) That's a great question. Yeah, no, the biggest mountain? No, they don't have the biggest mountain to climb because they're in the AFC. We just talked about this, right? I think think if they get their quarterback healthy and he plays all 16 games, big ifs, obviously, but uh, they, they should be one of the favorites in that division. Yeah. I agree. You, you, well, you get to answer, too. You know, oh, do I? You don't have anything else yeah, to say? Yeah, no, I concur. I, I, no. I concur. You took all the words out of my mouth. You guys have been Wait. together too long. I know. The summer, we said, the summer of Dan and Damien. <laughs> all right, finally, congratulations in order for Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield, who announced via Instagram oh, that, uh, yes, he has gotten congratulations. engaged. So that's usually a, a pretty good time. You know, there's that honeymoon and honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. Teams uh, and cities also enamored with their Draft picks, especially the very top. How long does the honeymoon period last, last, if you will, for Cleveland and Baker Mayfield? I'm going to say, I mean, he's the number one pick. He's going to get a lot of leeway. Um, I'm going to say. Really? Le- I would say the direct opposite. You don't think they get all worked up because he doesn't produce early? Well, I mean, Tyrod Taylor is there. Well, so, I, I, I know that. But, you know, how fan, I mean, fans are sometimes a little a I bit impatient. So. Maybe I'm asking too much of fans to think like, hey, we got a, you know, decent veteran here and, you know, that can hold down the fort until the rookie is up to par. But it is Cleveland. He's number one pick. So, you, you know what, Wendy? You're right. You know what? You're See, right. See, now, now we're getting somewhere. Sometimes, I, you, you know, you got to defer. I know. Well, I, no, I, I would say this. If Tyrod Taylor plays and things are going well and then Baker Mayfield's on the back burner, but I just feel like they're, you know. Right. It's always that pressure to play the top pick, and then if he doesn't perform, here we go. Exactly. When when does the honeymoon even start for Baker right. Mayfield? I mean, if he's the backup quarterback to start the season and Tyrod Taylor's playing well, then, you know, the, the question is how, about the honeymoon for the team. Like, if they start losing, uh, will they feel fan pressure to play Baker Mayfield? And then the clock starts on right. him in terms of when he produces. So I think he's in a real good spot for that reason. And you look at the overall picture there in Cleveland, they they could lose and it could still be better than something right. I mean, like they're like right. losing. They haven't won. They didn't win a game last year. They only won one. They're game literally starting from Z, the bottom. They can afford to do a level of losing there that maybe another team that drafted a quarterback number one couldn't and, right. and have the same kind of uh, a patience from the fan base. But if you look at the roster in yeah, Cleveland, there's I mean, reason for hope. They, there is they, reason for they hope. There might be five have wins, but some you know. serious weapons on that roster. So. It's, he's not like your typical number one overall pick that's walking into you know the the you know the bare cupboard. Like they have legitimate weapons on offense. So 
Fans in Cleveland should be should be feeling fine about that. Well, do we have a new king in Cleveland then, with LeBron gone? Who Tyrod? No wait. Hey, okay. guy's not going to I start. guess you answer my they, question. I mean, That's fair. Was... Come on, it was worth a shot. Guy, it I mean, is it, July. I think the, the, the Browns are in a position where they can be patient with this young man. They plan to be patient with this young man. Yes, plans can fall apart if Taylor gets hurt, if things don't go well. But, you know, I, I think this is, as we sit here on July 2nd, the Browns are, are feeling like they're going to be able to execute the plan. And let's be honest, I mean, the Browns are not in a one-year window to try and win the no. Super Bowl. I no. mean, like, they, they have to take a long view. Well, uh, how about this? In response to our Adam Schefter's tweet, who tweeted this earlier today, obviously with the news that LeBron James had departed, he said, and so now Cleveland's hopes rest with the Browns. But then uh, (laughs) what say you? The Cleveland Indians responded with a thinking face emoji. Because, hmm. mm. you know, what about right. me? Right. See? The, the you see Cleveland what they were Cleveland Indians are beefing with Schefter on I Twitter? I believe that's the case, yes. And it must be the offseason. LeBron James has departed Cleveland, taking his talents to Los Angeles. He has signed a mega deal. Four years, $153 million plus to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. I say this because, you know, it, we'd have to stretch here a little bit because who I don't even know what, what the NFL equivalent would be. Like the biggest player you can think of to the biggest team. What, I, what would you say? I would say like Tom Brady to like the Cowboys because you got Ooh, that's you a have, a, you know, you have a guy who's kind of up there in age. Yeah. League MVP last year. Going to a legacy franchise. That yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, cow, are the good. Cowboys like the Lakers of the NFL? Is that the, that's that's it's kind of an equivalent, that. right? It like it feels a, like it, yeah. right? Like an all-time great team with a lot of championships. Hadn't done much lately. You a know, lot maybe of history. Some, yeah, maybe that yeah. makes that makes some sense. Brady one? though. See, Brady's done some winning though, right? Of his own, right? More the more than. LeBron has, right? A little bit more than five championships. Well, and, and you what, would argue he, he's at the, yeah. the, the, the latter part of his career. So I was, I, my first thought was not to go as far as Damian. I was going to say Breeze to the Cowboys. But, uh, but yeah, something like that. No, right? Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. That's, yeah, somebody like that. An all-time like. great, right? Yeah. It was one of the all-time greats going somewhere where maybe the, you know, the situation where right? he's not Cowboys, the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that Cowboys. is the team that sort of seems like the NFL equivalent for whatever reason. Cowboys, Steelers, one of those, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Time now for Must Be the Offseason, which indeed it is. We will continue with our basketball thing theme. There's T.O., and if you missed it, he recently said he will decline the invitation to actually be at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, although he will enter the Hall of Fame. But he, he's he got it. He is still an athlete. 44. 44. 44. 44 years old. He argues that he can still play football. He can certainly play basketball, as we see right there. I don't think 44 is that old, personally. But no, I don't listen, know. We, well, I Damian. Do, we do talk about T.O. on the show a lot. I notice that. The man on the right <laughs> is six foot five. okay? Tyron Smith. Oh. He, he is, again, I say six feet five inches tall. And Shaq looks like, I mean, he just towering is not too strong of, wor- of a word. I mean, you're talking about an all-pro left tackle. Looking just like a child. Just that like is a, a child large next to Shaq. Man. Yeah. yeah. 